Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Canadian Gamers. And if I'm not mistaken, this is episode 92. Yeah. And while I would love to tell you that Steven is here or that Ahmed is here, no one is here. I am all by my lonesome with my little cat beside me. It's quite sad and depressing. So what's going on? Well, first off, Ahmed is, um, he's right in the, the thick of things with, I forget what it was, what he's, he's doing, if it's his thesis or, I, I don't exactly recall, uh, off the top of my head, my phone is a little far for me to grab. But yeah, so he's, he's kind of, uh, he's basically, he's locked up with schoolwork. So there's nothing, uh, there's nothing that I can do about that. He's going to be back in the thick of things soon enough. But he won't be available most likely to do much because he's going to be absolutely obsessed with Super Mario Odyssey. And then with Steven, well, Steven basically, he, you know, he hasn't seen his children in days, probably going to get a divorce because Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon was just released. And if you don't know Steven by now, he is like the Pokemon Omega Nerd number one. He's, uh, what did he do? He, he downloaded the game on his Japanese 3DS that I bought him, oh gosh, a number of years ago now. And he wanted it because he could play it like 12 hours earlier, something like that. He had me register the game, like his profile to the Japanese Pokemon website, which was kind of funny. And I don't even know what the hell for, but but for some weird reason, whatever, he probably gets something uh, for doing it. And he was like begging me to do it. So I was like, yes, 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 I'll go ahead and do that for you. So I did. And um, and so that's what he's doing. He's just really, really busy uh, playing Pokemon. That's right. I'm calling him out. He's not doing anything productive. It's not because of the kids, not because of anything else. No, no, it's because of Pokemon. What a loser. So I'm all by myself, um, and the truth is that I've actually not done much. Over the last, uh, what, maybe two weeks? I really, really haven't done very much. I've been so busy with work that I'd love to tell you that, yes, I've been playing Skyrim, and I've been playing, uh, you know, this and that and everything else, but the truth is, no, I have not. The only game that I've been playing a little bit of here and there is Super Mario Odyssey, and I finished off the the main game, I guess you would say, the campaign, the story, the whatever. Um, and I had around, I think I finished the game with 485 moons or something like that. Um, and now I'm just going back and I'm I'm collecting, you know, as many moons as I possibly can. Realistically, I think I could stay with this game probably till the end of the year if I'm being honest, uh, but Pokemon should be here next week. It's one of the subjects I'm going to talk about today is about Amazon. And even though, you know, Steven did the same thing when he had his solo podcast, but we have further, uh, further examples with them that are really frustrating, especially for, um, well, I was going to say Canadians, but I, I, I can't imagine that it's different for Americans as well, unless, unless it really is only a Canadian problem, but we'll, we'll touch base on that a little bit later. So yeah, um, I guess I can tell you my final thoughts on Super Mario Odyssey are that uh, it's a really, really good game. It's it's going to appeal primarily to those that miss 
more of the exploration aspect of Super Mario 64. And yes, of course, there's there's elements from Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario Sunshine as well. But I, I, I to me, I'd like to say that really this is more like Super Mario 64 2. It, it really feels like an evolution of Super Mario 64. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, to me, this is a really, really good game. I really like a lot of the different things that they've done. There's little nods to past games just about everywhere. And I got to admit that I'm really surprised by the quality that Nintendo has put out this year on the Switch. I mean, I I can't see anyone arguing that fact. They put out some absolutely incredible games in the last eight or nine months. It's been really something. So that's pretty much it. Like I said, I mean, after I I finish this podcast, the chances are quite high that I will go ahead and I will, uh, you know, go and collect a couple more moons for the rest of the afternoon, something like that. And um, why? Because it's fun. And and that's pretty much it. The game was really easy, I found, up to the very end. Like, in other words, if you just did the story, I think this would be one of the easiest 3D Marios ever. Uh, I didn't die, like, once at any of the boss fights. Um, I have died, though, during the repeats, and, and this is something that in the post-game you have to fight the bosses again, and there's this one water guy, I must be doing something wrong, I have to figure out what's up with that, because, well, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it, it's just, it's quite challenging, and so, yeah, so I really, really enjoyed everything that, um, everything about Super Mario Odyssey, really, and I really have enjoyed the fact that the challenge seems to be increasing now as we uh you know as i tackle the post game content which i'm really really happy about because i was i was a little concerned that you know hmm, maybe maybe it would be really easy to get like all 50 kajillion uh, uh moons but no i don't think so and i did find some really good tricks for a couple of the really really hard ones and i'm really really happy about that so that's pretty much it for uh, what i've been up to as usual for you guys that uh pay attention to this the podcast gives every second uh, sunday and normally there's two of us or more that take part in it and of course you can uh, download the audio version from itunes and other podcasting services just check up nintendo fanboys or canadian gamers or even project coe and away you go so we're going to start off today talking about the october 2017 npd numbers And some interesting stuff. I actually got a press release from Nintendo claiming that Super Mario Odyssey was the number one selling piece of software in October 2017, which was really impressive considering it was only on the market for a couple of days. But we also know that this was like the fastest selling Mario, I think, like ever. And why I say this was interesting is because... When the NPD numbers came out, it actually showed that Middle-Earth Shadow of War was the number one game. So I was like, hmm, what's up with that? Well, it turns out that for Super Mario Odyssey, the reason why it's the number one game, it's the number one retail game. But when you include digital downloads and whatnot, that's when uh, Middle-Earth Shadow of War was the number one, according to Forbes. I got this report from Forbes, so... Don't yell at me if they're wrong. Yell at Steven. 
In terms of hardware, the Switch and the Super NES Classic were the two top-selling pieces of hardware for October 2017. Switch was number one, and the, the SNES Classic was number two. And I think that's really, really interesting. If they can continue to pump out the SNES Classic, I really wouldn't surprise me if that bad boy stays like you know within the top three for the foreseeable future because it really is an amazing device and I'm really sad that I just haven't had the chance to to play more of it because it's a it's a blast so if you can find one I would highly recommend picking it up and it's interesting to see how well the switch is doing and I know Steven and I talked about this in our last episode of Nintendo fanboy saying that you know you you got to look at the sales with from a certain perspective because one could say like yeah they're doing well but this is a brand new system you know what i mean like is it on track to beat like the ps4 for example well not quite but that being said this is impressive and and i think it's important that we talk about that and that we say that this is impressive because nintendo hasn't had a successful home console like this since the wii and the Wii really wasn't for a lot of Nintendo fans. So for someone like me, this reminds me of like the Nintendo from the GameCube days. You know what I mean? Like in the sense where like a lot of people are talking about it, the system's doing well. And yes, I know the GameCube wasn't exactly the highest seller. Um, and I ignore Wii U because everyone did. I, I really enjoyed the Wii U. There was a lot of good games that I played on there. I miss the Miiverse, the fact that, you know, that that's gone now. It's a little sad. I like what they did, though. They had, like, this little memorial for it for the last couple of days. They were saying goodbye. So you had, like, Shigeru Miyamoto was, you know, he drew, like, a little something to say goodbye to the community. And it's a little sad because like that was a that was a special place. That was a neat thing they had done. But say la vie, it is gone. So anyways, let's get back to the sales here. I'm tangenting all over the place. So here we go. There there's something that I don't know why we never talked about this before, but instead of giving you the top 10, Forbes listed the top 20. And this really puts things into perspective for me because there's a lot of games here that uh, that if I only looked at the top 10, we wouldn't get. So let's start with the top 10. So we have Middle Earth, Shadow of War, Assassin's Creed Origin or Origins, Super Mario Odyssey, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, NBA 2K18, FIFA 18, WWE 2K18, Madden NFL 18, and Destiny 2, and finally at number 10, Forza Motorsport 7. Now why I say that's, that's interesting in and of itself, I don't really have too, too much to talk about there. Uh, interesting that Assassin's Creed seems to be really back in action coming in at number two. Um, also very happy to see South Park so high up there. That's really, really good. But check this out. If we include the next 10, watch what happens here. Gran Turismo Sport at number 11. That's interesting. Grand Theft Auto 5. That's interesting too, because Grand Theft Auto 5 has been in the top, I'd say 20, probably since day one. That game, the sales, it's just insane. Anyway, number 13 is The Evil Within 2. Number 14 is Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. 15 is The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. 
16, Mario Kart 8. 17, Fire Emblem Warriors. 18 is Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. 19 is NHL 18. And finally, rounding out the top 20 is Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Very interesting stuff. I thought that was really, really interesting. A lot of Nintendo games on the top 20 pieces of uh, software sold here. So Fire Emblem Warriors, I wonder how that did. Because we know that by looking at the digital sales on Nintendo platforms, that Mario Kart 8 is charting like all the time. But this seems to go with what I was saying um, in those discussions that I was wondering how Breath of the Wild was doing in physical form. It seems to be doing just slightly better than Mario Kart 8. But interestingly, Mario Kart 8 is doing significantly better than Breath of the Wild in terms of the digital download. So it's going to be very interesting to see moving forward. Uh, Steven and I both sort of say that Mario Kart 8 will be the highest selling game on the Switch. Unless, of course, you know, there's some breakout title that we don't know about. But uh, very, very interesting considering it's a Wii U game. So other than that, uh, let's see, was there anything else? Uh, Wolfenstein 2, I'm glad that charted. I would have liked to have seen it a little bit higher, but that's okay. I really wanted to play that, but just haven't had a chance. Uh, I didn't buy it even, but I really, really, it's one that I really want. Okay, so next up, we have a little bit of information on the Xbox One X, which is very, very, very interesting. We don't know how it's doing in North America. We know in Japan it sold out all over the place, but then when they released sales figures, it was like 1,200 units sold. So it's like, okay, well, great. But we do know that in the UK it sold 80,000 units in its first week of availability. Now, why is that interesting? Well, it's interesting because the PS4 Pro took over a month to do the exact same thing. So I find that really, really, really interesting. And to be really fair, when I look at the Xbox One X, it is something that that looks enticing. You know what I mean? Like, it's the type of thing where you're like, okay, this feels like a... That's really funny. He's saying hello to you guys. And also telling me, turn around and look at me, you douchebag. That's what he's saying. So yeah, when I look at the Xbox One X, it does look enticing. It looks like something that doesn't feel necessarily like an incremental upgrade over the existing piece of hardware, which was something that the PS4 Pro did. I still cannot believe that the PS4 Pro didn't include an Ultra 4K Blu-ray drive inside. I mean, the Xbox One S has one of those, but the PS4 Pro doesn't. So, to me, the Xbox One X certainly looks like a a very good piece of hardware. I'm not really feeling where Microsoft is going right now in terms of the brand. I'm still not... I mean, it's like I don't understand why I would buy an Xbox when if you have a powerful enough PC... You can just play absolutely everything on PC and still have Xbox Live and do the whole thing. Like, it just, I don't quite get it. But whatever, that's fine. Like I said, that's for me. I'm just not feeling it right now. But clearly, lots of people are. I mean, the the system, at least in the UK, seems to be doing quite well. And the UK is predominantly Sony, you know, Sony land. 
So it should be interesting to see how sales fared here in North America. I wonder if the Xbox One X is actually going to be the number one selling piece of hardware in November. Because this is what's going to be really interesting going into the holiday season is to see where all of these consoles end up. I mean, if the Switch is still the number one selling platform going into the holiday season, that could be very telling for Nintendo for next year, especially if Skyrim does well, L.A. Noir, uh, Wolfenstein when it comes out, you know, if all those type of games do really, really well, this, this could get very interesting for Nintendo. But by the same token, if the Xbox One X suddenly takes off and, and does, you know, exceedingly well, that too could be very, very interesting. And then, of course, where does this leave the the market leader right now with Sony? How what what's going to happen? What's going to happen with that? So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what happens moving forward. Okay, so moving on, I mentioned earlier that I had some stuff to say about Amazon. Well, we talked a little bit about this, but depending on which show you watch, if you well, unless you watch all of our stuff, um. Amazon's been really annoying both Steven and myself lately, and this is nothing really new. I don't know why I say lately, but just in general. If you pre-order certain things, you basically, you're not going to get them for the first week of their availability. It's just that simple. It's just not going to happen. And I don't understand what's up with that. I, I, I'm getting more and more and more confused as to what the hell Amazon is doing. If I pre-order Super Mario Odyssey six months before its release, and you allowed me to do that, like I, I literally did it the same day that you had your posting up, how in the hell do I not get that game on launch day or the day after? And this is with me paying for, you know, super fast shipping. And when I contacted customer service, they were basically like, well, we don't have any guarantees about that. I'm like, wow, thanks, guys. You're like total douches. That's just fantastic. And I was really, really annoyed with Super Mario Odyssey because I had to wait days, man, before that came out. I could have just downloaded the damn thing or I could have just gone to the store. But I wanted the convenience to have it shipped to work. And then I was just going to go and, you know, bring it home, play or have my Switch with me at work and then play it on the way home. But no, that was not an option. And then with Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, this is really cool, man. This is something. So I had pre-ordered those games, you know, 50 years ago when they were originally announced. And then Amazon said, oh, well, we're going to have that really cool, you know, two-pack with the uh, steel case, like, uh, whatever, fancy version that's going to have both versions of the game. And I was like, ah, cool, man, that's so cool, because I'll be able to, uh, you know, I'll be able to get that, and there we go. A little bit of, like, a collector's edition type of thing for the inner geek in me. And uh, I just thought it was weird, because, like, over the last, say, three weeks, it still said you know, shipping or ship date pending. Now, to be fair, within like the first day or so, those um, that listing was actually delisted and said like, you know, this product is sold out type of thing. So I was like, yeah, I got one. Excellent. And then I contacted Amazon and was like, hey guys, like why don't you have the ETA for, you know, shipping as the same time as the other versions of the game? Like, I don't understand. If it comes out on, you know, November 16, 17, whatever it was, 
why is it saying, you know, we'll, we'll email you when we have further information when this game will be shipped? And they come back to me and they're like, oh, we just don't have any idea when the game's going to be shipped. I'm like, what? Like, how, how, how is that possible? It launches the exact same day as the other versions. Anyways, they still have not shipped my copy of the game and it was released on Friday. So, you know, I'm kind of like, what the, what the F? Like, this is utterly ridiculous. So I'm getting really annoyed with Amazon. And what sucks is Amazon, like, does have some genuinely good offers on games. But this sort of stuff is really annoying me. The good news for me right now is that I'm just so busy. I, I wouldn't be able to play. But it's still annoying in the sense that you want your stuff when you want your stuff. And in the case of Steven, he was forced to essentially double dip. And I think he would have done it anyways because he's such a big fan of this particular series. But it's still annoying that he did not have the game on Friday. I think it was Friday. Um so it's just annoying, you know? It's like it's super, super annoying that something like this happened and the fact that, you know, both of us basically, our games still haven't arrived. And I have some, you know, complaints to make about Canada Post as well, which isn't directly related to Amazon, but listen to this. So I got Stephen a Super NES Classics. He said he wanted one, he was going to pay for it, and I just said, you know what, never mind, I'll just I'll buy it for you. He hasn't even thanked me, the douchebag. Um, but... What's interesting is it cost me $42 to ship the damn thing express and have it there like within three days. It took over two weeks, I think it was, or something insane like that. And then we both thought they lost the damn thing. I had to call Canada Post, but nope, they won't do anything for you. You're not going to get any, you know, any money back. They're like, oh, our guarantees. Well, there's no money back guarantee. It's a loose guarantee. I was like, what kind of BS is this? So it's just been a, a doozy of a week. So he finally went and picked it up. Actually, today, as of the time of this recording, he he finally has it. But talk about annoying, you know? Like, seriously, talk about super freaking annoying. I was like, I can't get over this crap. And now, for more complaining, seems like this is going to be a complaining podcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know the story. I'm not going to repeat absolutely everything. But uh, Star Wars Battlefield 2 has caused quite a bit of controversy. And, well, the long and short of it is that basically EA was trying to squeeze out as much money as humanly possible from players with loot boxes and DLC characters, which you basically had to use a certain amount of points in order to unlock heroes like uh, Luke Skywalker or if you wanted to use the Emperor or Darth Vader, or whatever. These these are characters that everyone is going to want to use, you know? And they made it such that you would have to play, to unlock everything, you would have to play over 4,000 hours in order to unlock absolutely everything. Or, of course, you could use real-world money. But people that were testing this out were like, it's going to cost you hundreds upon hundreds of dollars in order to get absolutely everything. And so people literally lost their minds. Like they were, they were freaking out. There was a Reddit post that became the number one most downvoted post in history of, well, the history of Reddit. 
And it just really sucks. You know, it really, really sucks. And a lot of people were like, the Star Wars brand is strong enough that the game's going to sell. And, you know, this controversy will just, it'll, it'll fizzle out. Well, that's not what happened at all. People really voiced their concerns and it turned into a PR nightmare for EA, whereby so much so that they decreased the amount of, I forget if it's points or whatever it is that you need to unlock these, these different characters, but they decreased the amount by 75%. And what they also did was they completely did away, at least as of the time of this recording, you cannot use real-world money to purchase anything. Um, they said they will go back later on and fix the game for that, but just no update as of this time. So why is that interesting? Well, it's interesting because EA is ridiculous. You know, this company has been voted one of the worst companies in the world to work for. Um, it's gotten better over the last couple of years, but it's it's still there, you know, like that mentality of like, stop using and abusing your, your player base. Like what the hell is wrong with you as well as your employees. And people are just really annoyed. And I'm glad to see that this happened. And I think this goes to show you the power of being able to voice your opinion on social media and elsewhere and really have it heard. If enough people stand up and say, you know what? No, we're not going to take this crap. It will be noticed and, and, you know, they will do something about it. And you guys, you have the power to really stop companies from doing things you don't want them to do. And a great example of that is Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. People bitched so much about that game and all the different, you know, the aesthetics, the character roster, and so on and so forth. And the game just fundamentally bombed at retail. Street Fighter V, Ultra Street Fighter V on the Switch has outperformed Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Now, I doubt that's going to last for very, very long, but... Still, the point being, like, it doesn't make any sense. Capcom really screwed the pooch with that one. And they paid for it due to fan, you know, player feedback and backlash. And I think the same thing will be true with Star Wars Battlefield 2. But now that they've sort of, like, calmed things down and they're reversing on a lot of these policies, I'm sure the game's going to do well. But these things shouldn't have been in place to begin with. DLC and stuff like that, as long as it's not paid to win, people won't care. They'll buy expansion passes. They'll buy, you know, like uh, cosmetic goods. But don't lock different characters that people want behind like a, a paywall. That is like low. And don't make people pay a uh, pay. Don't make people play your game for 4,000 hours to unlock everything. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. Even MMOs, that's asking for a lot, you know? So, I don't know. I was uh, I was kind of just taken aback by that and was like, what the hell is wrong with this company? And speaking of uh, electronic arts, I don't know if you guys have heard, but they actually purchased Respawn. Respawn are the guys behind Titanfall, and they were actually founded by the original founders of Infinity Ward. Back when, you know, that, that company actually meant something. But, uh, don't really have too, too much to say about that. I, I think the, you know, the founders of Respawn pretty much did that for a nice, lovely 
you know, paycheck because it, they paid, I forget what it was, but it's like hundreds of millions of dollars for, for the company. And obviously they want the, the license, they want the IP to Titanfall. So they got it. But, um, yeah, I don't really have too, too much to say about that. And so the last little bit of news here, I'm going to try and see if I can think of something else to chat about after this with you guys, because I'd like to have the podcast around 35, 40 minutes would be good. Um, so yeah, anyways, the last little bit of news that I have is not really news. It's just something that interests me is that Dragon Quest 10 version four was released on November 16th. And it's loosely translated to something like the 5,000 year journey to a faraway hometown online. I actually don't like the hometown in that tagline. I'd prefer if it was like 5,000 year journey to a faraway town, you know, something like that instead of hometown sounds weird. Um, thanks to Cranberry. My copy is in the mail. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. And as a matter of fact, the footage that you guys are watching here is actually from Itatagi street, uh, on the PlayStation four, at least. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's from the PS4. And, uh, that's thanks to Cranberry as well. And that really, really helps out because we don't have to, um, I don't have to worry about, you know, playing some game and capturing footage and all this sort of jazz with this. I can just slap it all together and publish it and it really, really, really helps out. So without going too deep into what's offered in version four of Dragon Quest X, because I don't have it yet, so I don't really know, what I do know is that there is a brand new level cap, and uh, Cranberry really cracked me up today. She really, really cracked me up, because the uh, level cap raises from level 99. You ready? Do I have you in suspense? To level 100. Yeah, that's right. They raised the level cap by one. I was like, what? Now, if you don't know anything about Dragon Quest's, um, tens, like expansions or the way these things work, basically, they, you usually have to do a quest, well, you always have to do a quest in order to raise your level cap, but often it's like in increments of five. So, it's funny that a new expansion comes out and they raise the level cap by one right now. Now I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't mean that they're going to drip release content to keep us, you know, keep the fans happy. I really hope that they have a, a larger amount of content available. And I'm sure when Cranberry uh, chimes in, when she listens to this, she'll, she'll list off a whole bunch of stuff. But what I do know is they, they did also uh, increase the equipment um, for gear they allow you now to take part in a quest that will give you 125 slots, which is really useful uh, because version three capped out at 100 slots for your just for your um, your armor. OK, not not talking about that's why I say equipment, not talking about items and stuff like that. So that's all I literally know. I don't know anything about the story or where they're going. I haven't I haven't checked out anything, and obviously my copy is in the mail, so that's that. Uh, it was kind of sad, though, because that day also marked the very final update to the Wii version, and that's it. The Wii was essentially taken offline um, as of November 16th, but interestingly, it took a piece of the game with it, now, for those that don't know, Dragon Quest X was originally developed for the Wii. That's typically what Square does, or Enix, or rather Square Enix. 
that's what they do. They they release a Dragon Quest game on the system that has like the biggest user base or the biggest install base. And so with the Wii, that was that was like a no-brainer, right? But it was funny because they released an online essentially an online only MMO on the Wii. Like, let that sink in. And of course, the game has been ported to a wide variety of different platforms since then, but it did originate on the Wii. That was the platform it was originally intended for, and it's what all the controls are mapped to, and and so on and so forth. So I find it, it kind of bittersweet, right? Like, on one hand... You know, the we celebrated the the launch and success of the of the Dragon Quest X sort of subseries because it is a subseries. There's a whole wide assortment of, of uh, expansions that were released for it. So why I say bittersweet is that you know this was the platform that the game was made for, and it went all the way up to version four. It it doesn't have version four, but you know it it basically rounded up. It went all the way to the release date of version four. So that's pretty impressive, man. That's that's pretty impressive stuff. And what I said, it took a piece of the game with it. It actually took the offline mode with it where you play as your sibling so if you want to play that now it's not just the offline mode i think it was the extended offline mode is what it took with it um it's kind of it's kind of sad because now the only way to experience that is to play through the wii version of the game and that's not an easy thing to do because you have to have a japanese wii in order to do that plus a vpn and so on and so forth so that kind of um that's kind of bittersweet and cranberry was on the wii version for literally years and i think she said she started in 2000 she said 2002 i want to say is what she said let's see let's go dragon quest 10 release date let's see what we got yeah not two 12 that's what it was so she was on there for august 2nd 2012 so she was probably i don't know if she was there like at launch but it's not bad she was there for essentially five years and on our let's play for those that are watching it and i hope you're you are and hope you're enjoying it um like the vast majority of those videos that you've seen are with Cranberry playing on the Wii version of the game. And that's pretty, pretty awesome. And I, it always impressed me that I was playing on the PC version. She was playing on the Wii version. And now, well, now, but Maymay, when Maymay joined our little party there, that she was playing on the 3DS version. And I love that all of them are connected. They all play on the same servers. So you have all these different systems playing together. It's really, really cool stuff. So Cranberry's moved on over to the Switch version of the game. I'm still on the PC, but I don't want to be on the PC version anymore. And the reason why is because it would be so much flipping easier if I could play this on the switch because with the switch i could take it with me i could play at work i could play you know anywhere if i had like during my lunch break things like that but alas you need to have the damn vpn set up and it's so stupid man i it's so annoying because dragon quest 10 is truly a living breathing experience it's more than just a game and you can devote 
literally thousands and thousands of hours. I mean, you could devote years to this particular game. And if you really want to experience everything it has to offer, you need to play on there every day to, to keep up, you know, because there's dailies that you can do. You can max out your gear, you can, like uh, not your gear, your profession and, and just so on and so forth. There's literally, I've been saying that a lot, so on and so forth, but there's a lot of different things that you can do in this particular game. And what I love about it is the fact that it doesn't end. It's going to be around for years and years and years and years to come. And Dragon Quest XI, as awesome as Dragon Quest XI was, it's come and gone, right? Like, it's done. That's it. It's over. If you if you beat the game and you beat the post-game... Well, it's finished. That's it. Congratulations. You know, now wait five, six years for Dragon Quest twelve, and and away we go. But what I love about ten is that it's still there. It's still growing. It will continue to grow long after Dragon Quest twelve is has come and gone as well. And that's what's so damn cool with it. And I really hope it continues for years and years to come. I hope we get, we continue to get graphic updates and stuff like that to make the game look better and better because eventually it's going to start to look, you know, even older than it already does. But it does have a unique look to it that I think will help keep it you know, keep it relevant for a long time to come. So all that said, it's um, it's kind of sad that, you know, Dragon Quest X is now officially over on the Wii. And it's still kind of sad that Dragon Quest on the Switch is IP blocked. That would be so handy if it weren't. Because I could just digitally download the game, which is what you do when you buy the physical version, by the way. It doesn't actually come with a game cart. It comes with a code, and you just download the code. So it's a digital-only game regardless on the uh, Switch. But do you know how easy it would be to just keep up with that? It would be a freaking joke. Although, Cranberry did tell me something most interesting. The Switch isn't region free in terms of the eShop like the 3DS is. Now that I find very interesting. You see the 3DS, you could purchase, um, software from the Japanese store with a North American credit card. Now I'm not sure how that works. You must need a, a Japanese 3DS though, because that, that's the way I do it. So like I bought Dragon Quest 11. I couldn't wait. So I bought the digital version on my 3DS with a North American credit card and it worked perfectly. But the, on the PS4, that did not happen. And I've never tried, honestly, I've never tried on the Switch, but Cranberry was telling me that you cannot do that on the Switch. So what she had to do was she had to put money in her account on the 3DS, then switch back to the Switch, and then download the uh, the expansion that way. So that's really kind of interesting. And for those that don't know, I, I, I think the reason... That people get a little bit confused with Dragon Quest X, uh, like more so than World of Warcraft and all these other things, is that the the numbering system, they've been calling it version 1, version 2, version 3, version 4, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, this one is actually, I, I haven't seen it actually referred to as V4. We're calling it version 4, but I haven't actually seen it called that. It's It's been 
really everybody's been calling it the 5,000 year journey to a faraway hometown. Like everyone's been referring to it as its named expansion. And it really does look almost like not a reboot, but like they're taking the story in a completely different direction with all new characters and and stuff like that, which is a good thing. I I mean, there's new hardware and they want to go in a, in a different direction, but anyway, so Cran had to go and, and do that little workaround in order to download the game, but it's still easier. It's still significantly easier than what I have to do because I can't download this game on PC anywhere. They do not accept my credit card. I think my credit card is just way too secure. They know that they're like, no, no, you, you're not in Japan. You're not, uh, we're not allowing this uh, transaction to go through. So thankfully, Cranberry ordered the game from me, uh, for me from Amazon Japan. So the disc should be coming in shortly. And that's just fantastic. I'll be able to download that. Basically, it's just going to be an activation, which is what's funny. Because I don't even think it's going to download anything on my computer. It already downloaded everything. Because the game that I'm playing right now, my my quote-unquote version 3, is actually, if you look at the, the game screen, it says version 4. So I find that rather humorous. I think all that's going to happen is when I put the disc in, it's just going to take me to the website to... Uh, basically activate if you will this particular version of the game into my uh, my account and that's pretty much that so i'm looking forward to that that's going to be really cool and i think the rest of my my you know 2017 is going to be super mario odyssey pokemon ultra sun and moon and dragon quest 10 that's pretty much it I uh, was mentioning today in Dragon Quest X that I would like to um, probably take like a week or two off from work and just, you know, finish off my Let's Play of Dragon Quest Eleven. and Cranberry has her side game. I'd like to try that and then polish off some of these other things that I've been playing. The only complication to that is I might have a contracting job in Ontario. And if I do, well, then I may need to save some time off so that I can go you know, tackle that contract. So we'll see. So finally, last thing for today, guys and girls is, uh, we're going to have our upcoming game of the year awards soon. Naturally, uh, Steven and I have not played very much, so it's going to most likely be kind of a boring game of the year this year, but you never know. I say that, but you never know. We'll see. So that's pretty much it. I think this is going to clock in at around 40 to 45 minutes, which is not a bad podcast for a solo, if I do say so myself, which I do. And I hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, hopefully next time uh, in two weeks, I'll have a guest back with me. I should. I don't see uh, Stephen, you know, ditching us for too, too long. And um, that's pretty much it. So I hope you guys enjoyed and I will uh, see you all soon. Take care, everyone.